Hey, it's Greg. Thanks for checking out the Toronto Today podcast, June 30th, as we roll into a Canada Day weekend. And wow, we got some news almost overnight, or at least late in the evening, about Air Canada shelving, canceling a lot of flights, not readjusting them, not rescheduling them, canceling them. Lots of them, daily, for the rest of the summer, not just for part of July or all of July. So this is big, big news, and we react to it accordingly. Um, Ron Tite will join us to talk about another big brand, Tim Hortons. We got a lot of Canadian brands saying, no thanks, we can't be associated with Hockey Canada. Maybe just for right now, but as Ron and I discuss, maybe forever. And we'll talk uh, about uh, fireworks with uh, Ajax Mayor Sean Collier and what municipalities are dealing with, with maybe, just maybe, or maybe not, a growing influence to ban them or curb them somehow. All coming up on Toronto Today. Thanks very much for listening. Toronto Today begins now. This Air Canada stuff is uh, is um, pushing a lot of stuff outside of the headlines. That's for sure. And it's one of those things where I'm starting to wonder about, as I mentioned before, there's patience and there's loyalty. We've been really patient for two years about a lot of things. Some things had to be done. Some things we weren't sure should be done. Maybe now we're realizing some things should not have been done. Okay, fine. Not going to spend your Thursday going into a long weekend uh, relitigating all that stuff. But nonetheless, when you think about travel and you think about the time and investment, you know that it may not go perfectly. We've all had lost bags. We've all had canceled flights. We've all had delays. The car doesn't come on time. Something gets canceled. I'll never forget. I've told this story before how, and sometimes it's weather. I've told this story. We, um, we took my uh, father-in-law and we took my mother-in-law and we took my two sons um, and my wife came too. She's part of this. <laughs> and uh, six of us went to Florida and our goal was to really, um, we really wanted to take my uh, father-in-law to a Blue Jays game. He'd never been before. We wanted to go to Dunedin to see the Blue Jays. And we woke up in the morning, you know, we went in the middle, like the end of February, this is 2019. And it just, I started, you, when you see that dark cloud coming, like it, we woke up sunny, maybe till about 1030, maybe a one o'clock game against the Red Sox team. They played last night and you just see the cloud coming over the water. It's coming over the ocean and it's it's gray. And that's a little darker gray. And then it's a few shades of black. And then it's the Metallica album, which they called the black album. We're in big trouble. And we we drove with spitting rain, a little spit here and there. And then we, it's a downpour by the time we get there. The best laid plan, and we, so no game. The best laid plans often go to waste. But that's not what this is. We're all ready to be disappointed. We're all ready to have some little bit of chaos, and oh, we're going to reroute you here. One time, and what, and usually people just, compl- what they complain about is, well, the airline did this to me, but guess what they gave me? And then we debate sometimes, is this enough compensation for what you went through? I got a free hotel night one time at, uh, at Pearson when I was supposed to go, San Diego, sorry, Houston, Toronto to Houston to San Diego, all on a Friday night. It's all for an NFL playoff game on the Sunday in San Diego. Pretty cool, huh? But they can't get me to San Diego that night. Hey, we'll put you up at the Sheridan, and we'll pay for your your hotel and your dinner, and you can take it. How about a flight to L.A. the next morning on a different airline to LAX? Luckily, I had a friend of mine who was landing in L.A. from the U.K., and I... He rented a cool car, got to L.A., he found me, and we drove up uh, Highway 101 by the Pacific Coast to go to San Diego. It was awesome. 
It worked out. I didn't have little kids with me. I didn't have aging parents with me. I didn't have. So I understood at that time, eh, win some, lose some. That's not what this is. If you, as you heard in the news, Dave Bradley noted it. Air Canada is going to cut dozens of daily flights this summer. And you may have gotten an email already. And I want to hear about your reaction. I want to hear what they did to you. And I want to hear about your reaction via text 289-975-1640. 289-975-1640 is the text. This is unprecedented to me in terms of corporate communication in Canada. And it's unprecedented certainly in terms of travel. Sometimes airlines, it happens in the States. I know it happened a couple of times when I lived there. Your airline just disappears. Everybody worries about that. They've got money with a company and that company just vanishes. I've seen it before even with, with tour companies. They'll grab, uh, you, you know that that's true, and way before the pandemic, is that you, you would end up going, um, we gave you money, and you're a, you're a tourist group, you put everything together, your travel agency, travel agency goes under, doors are locked, nobody has any idea where these people have gone. That's harder to do now with the internet. That's harder to run away from responsibility, despite the massive amounts of fraud and your account could be hacked. Your password could be compromised. All that stuff does happen. But what I'm telling you is that that was an easier thing to do to just take the money and run, as it were, uh, back in the day. But this is unreal. And I guess I don't I understand that there's going to be some corporate speak among corporations sometimes. But guess what this is called? Like you won't believe you're going to spit out your cornflakes this morning. Air Canada will make, quote, meaningful reductions to the summer flight schedule. Really? Really? Meaningful? Would you like to define meaningful for me when I have four tickets to go to uh, to Hawaii and I've been waiting to go forever? Not just the last two and a half years, but I put it off and put it off. And the pandemic, by the way, uh, once we got out of it, made people realize that, well, we got to stop putting things off. We just have to. We got to live in the, in the now. Look at what's happened. Look at our own health, physical, mental. It doesn't matter at a certain point in time. And then there's the baggage issues. I'm going to get to the raw numbers of what Air Canada is doing here. But let me get to the raw numbers in a little bit. Um, it, it, it When you hear this audio uh, from Pearson Airport from a couple days ago, this is from our own uh, global news uh, reporter. And I think this is Marianne Demain. I'm sure that it is, actually. This is uh, a traveler. We'll, we'll play the Dan Decay one in a second. But let's play the first one of somebody taking a family on vacation and they lost all their luggage. They were coming from out east to here. And uh, listen to what she says she had to spend the money on. It's pretty discouraging and it's pretty sad. The money that we saved for our vacation, basically most of it went to buy new clothes so we can, you know, have a good trip. Again, it's one thing if you're going on your own, you're you're childless or you're without. I don't mean like you, you don't have children, but you, you just don't have any kids. You're traveling on your own. You'll make you'll make ends meet. I took I went to Miami once and I'm the idiot that caused this problem for me. I got travel stories. I went to Miami and left the left one of my luggage things on the rental car shuttle. And so I've got one bag like a like a big backpack with a lot in it, some electronic equipment, whatnot. I'm landing in Miami. But the bag I had for clothes for two and a half days, I left on the on the rental car uh, shuttle. I didn't get it back until it was mailed to me. Um, and I went and bought clothes. It's a terrible feeling. Like, yeah, that's I guess it's fun to shop. But it's a terrible feeling knowing you're doing something and it's all you're doing. But at least you can control it. I'm the idiot. I'll do an extra shift. I'll I won't I'll spend money here that I won't spend there later on to make up for it. That's fine. Listen to this guy, musician, uh, Dan with a band called Exciter. The guy's name is Dan Decay. 
massive, massively expensive equipment. And Air Canada lost it for three days. And here's his story. While musician Daniel Decay, who just got back from touring with his band Exciter in Europe, finally got his $10,000 guitars back after three days. He says even that was far from easy. I guess three days later, they had had enough time to throw my bag through the oversized door. Um, so it was sitting there. It was just my guitars were sitting there on their side amongst tons of other i'm talking strollers bicycles uh big cardboard boxes look crap happens let's call it as we as we can see it crap happens when you travel this is unprecedented and unprecedented gets thrown around a lot it really means something here almost as much as these air canada meaningful reductions I had, I had a flight land at Heathrow. I'm coming in. I want to go to a soccer game that night in Brighton. It's not that easy to go from Heathrow to Brighton, but I got to take all my... I was going to be able to um, go back, drop the bags at my friend's house, have a shower, take the train down to Brighton, go to the match that night on a Friday evening. Well, the flight's heavily delayed. Then you land, and the second the wheels touch the ground at Heathrow, voice comes on. Your luggage is on the flight behind us. Like most of your luggage is on the flight behind us. We will, we'll leave you guessing a little bit. Why would we give you an absolutely positive, definitive statement here? Let's let you think about it a little bit. Let's let you guess the odds that your luggage is with us. And mine wasn't. So you're waiting an hour and a half at the airport. But guess what? It's just you. You'll read a book, right? It's a little like planning a big elaborate date with somebody and things don't go well. The restaurant's lousy. Uh, somebody dings your car in the parking lot. Uh, the hotel doesn't have your reservation. Whatever and whenever, right? Murphy's Law. If it can go wrong, it'll go wrong. But I'll say it again. That's not what this is. Air Canada is reducing its schedule by 154 flights on average each day for July and August. Just when you were ready to travel again. Just when you trusted, A, it was safe. Just when you had the money. Just when you knew what you want to do, where you want to go, and who you want to spend that time with. Look, this is happening. There's chaos in airports everywhere. Pearson isn't unique, but it's one of the worst. Air Canada is not unique, but this now makes them one of the worst. I want to let you know as well, we're going to talk to Duncan D uh, at 8.05. He's the former chief operating officer of Air Canada. We're going to ask him why this is happening. And, and he might say this would never happen on my watch. Obviously, transportation is more problematic now than it was in 2019. None of this is business as usual. Life isn't business as usual, but we have to do better than this. And this will damage the brand. Talking about that a lot with Hockey Canada yesterday, weren't we? This will damage the brand for years to come. You already want to uh, you know, avoid Pearson if you can. Now you're avoiding basically our quote-unquote national airline. It's no good. We started this week uh, talking Tuesday, actually, because we found out about it on Monday, about an incident last week in Bancroft. A terrible tragedy involving a 23-month-old. I want to bring on a psychology professor from U of T Scarborough, Steve Jordans, and talk about, Steve, the uh, and be able to talk to you about the concept where uh, you just blank. You get into a routine. You're coming to the workplace, and you forget things. That There is that condition, and psychologists like yourself teach it and study it. Yeah, there's in fact a psychological phenomenon we call capture errors um, that really refers to the situation where you have 
a habit that might be pushing you one way and then your goal-directed sort of mind um, that's pushing you another way. And when the habit wins, and sometimes it does, we call that a capture error. So, you know, colloquially, people will know this by the, the situation where sometimes, you know, let's say you drive to work five days a week and now it's a weekend and you really mean to go someplace that's partway to work, but maybe to, to a friend's house for coffee or something. And, and next thing you know, you're in the parking lot of your work and going, what the heck am I doing here? Uh, that was your unconscious mind, your habits sort of taking over and controlling behavior. And so we see that happen quite a bit. And, and to some extent, that is part of what's going on in these cases. So look, it, it cuts pretty raw when you see a story like yeah. this, but when you see a story and you see the details, um, there is a, you know, it, there's, there's never, I suppose, an excuse, but there is a psychological explanation um, when, when a kid gets left unattended almost anywhere, or, or if you forget to pick him or her up uh, from different places, almost every parent probably experiences that. I know I, I've experienced as a kid, I'm like, where's mom and dad? Yeah. And they either forget or it falls through the cracks and they think, well, the other one was doing it. This and, and, and almost always it is the case that when you consider the habits going on before that, they do tell a lot of the story. I mean, it really is the case that we're kind of two people in one, every one of us. Our frontal lobes are our conscious, rational mind, and that's where we do all our goal-directed kind of stuff. And that's what we think of as who we are. But the much more primitive part of us, our so-called limbic system, is where all of these habits and instincts and emotional-based sort of responses happen. And so in a case like this, we can imagine this person coming to work uh, and usually, you know, it, it, well, let, let's say it this way. Imagine they were going to a daycare. If they landed in a daycare, their habit would be naturally to go to the back seat and grab the child and, and remove the child. But when they go to work, their habit is to just get out of the car and go. And in fact, quite often, their conscious mind is occupied by whatever tasks they have going on there. And so unless they have that habit, like they would at a daycare, you know, at a daycare, they would, their conscious mind might be occupied, but still they would go to the back seat because that's what the, the habit is to do. But when they're in that environment where there is no habit to support them checking their child and getting their child, yeah, it's quite conceivable their conscious mind is taken up with the task of the day and they just walk in and it just doesn't cross their mind at all. And it seems incredulous to us that that could ever happen, but it certainly is consistent with a lot of psychological research to say that, yep, it can. Steve Jordans is our guest, uh, a professor of psychology at the University of Toronto Scarborough. And yeah, you mentioned the workplace and I'm sure a lot of listeners are hearing this and are thinking just what, what I'm thinking. My routine is almost the exact same every morning. Maybe that's a few minutes earlier, a few minutes later. Maybe I went to, to place B instead of place A for morning coffee on the way in, but it's almost like two, just to the T, uh, a Monday to Friday commute ends up being exactly like that. You don't take a lot of different routes. You don't have a lot of different phone calls or conversations. And especially early in the morning when the goal is, you know, usually you're rushing and get where you got to get to as quickly as you can. Yeah, and, and it becomes a sort of a ritual. William James was a psychologist that talked a lot about how habits can sort of guide us through. So, so your habit can pick up your coffee for you. Uh, it, can, it, can, it can drive you to work. You know, we don't even think that much about the decisions we're making at every intersection or whatever. We just allow that sort of autopilot to happen. And it's actually quite useful most of the time. Uh, in fact, most of the time, it will result in people checking their kids and, and doing stuff as long as that is their habit. The, you know, in this case, that's the first thing that I look for when I hear these is, 
did that ritual get disturbed somehow? Was was there something that was atypical about this morning uh, for that family? And, and almost always the answer is yes. There, there was something that was atypical, um, and therefore we can say, okay, the ritual wasn't there to do what we hope it would do. I know neither you or I are, are criminology experts, and we don't know what's going to happen with this case, but can this element of, of what happens to the, to the mind and that habit forming can that stand up in in other cases as a as a defense in court? Could it even stand up for a, a negligent car accident, running a stop? Like, can it stand up under legal scrutiny? Well, I, I mean, to to some extent, like even if we imagine things like um, drinking and driving, the idea when you're when you're drinking and driving is now you're just relying on your habits. You, mm-hmm. You're basically shutting down your conscious mind, and if if you're sort of choosing to do that or or doing that knowingly. Uh, now you're putting yourself in a dangerous situation, and, and obviously you're culpable for any damage you cause. If, if it's a routine kind of thing where, yeah, you know, you, you were just behaving in a habitual way and then something happened, you, you certainly have an explanation for your behavior. And, and I think then, like in a case like this, then we would really look at state of mind and are there other things. And if, you know, if we see a parent that's just totally grieving and, and we see absolutely no evidence of any issues in the family prior to this, then I think most, you know, reasonable judges would say this was a horrible, horrible accident. Uh, and so I think that's, you know, what they're looking for at that point is more state of mind and, and any other pointing evidence that this is anything more than a horrible accident, because certainly that's a possibility. Steve Jordan's is kind of to join us on Toronto today with Greg Brady from University of Toronto Scarborough. He's a psychology professor there. And I think you make a point on the workplace thing. A lot of our ire when we see a story of, you know, mom goes and gambles at the casino. They find a yeah. kid in the car who's who's alive, who's who's n- no worse for wear, but it's still an element of abandonment, or it's or it's a shopping excursion or something yeah. like that. Those yeah. are things that are that are more unusual to attend a quote unquote event. Yeah. Going going to work, no matter what, we, how much we love our jobs, is not an event. It's a routine more than an event, and that's the distinction there. You hear it so often. When I hear about stories like this in the states or wherever they are, I assume that person parked to go into their workplace, not anywhere else. Right. Yeah. Um, because the other ones reflect a conscious choice, right? Where mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, I, I'll leave the kid in the car while I quickly do this," or I'll. And, and when there's that implication of a conscious choice, then yes, you know, then we then we think culpability. But yeah, in the workplace, that that's the thing. We're so autopiloty when we do these things, so habit driven, that that's what makes it completely feasible that that person did not even really understand the child was in the car at the time, or. or you know, in their habitual mind, that was not part of the reality. And so, you know, the car, the child was probably quiet, was probably asleep, something like that. And the person was just walking through their ritual in a, in a relatively mindless way. Unconscious mind was sort of in control. Steve, thanks so much for uh, for um, educating our listeners uh, this morning. And, and I hope we can uh, get a chance to, it's, it's in uh, obviously terrible circumstances with this tragedy, but it uh, it shed some light on this condition and, uh, and and what people need to be aware of to avoid it. Fantastic. It was great. I enjoyed chatting with you, Greg. It's an interesting chat on uh, on a terrible story, obviously, and, and no doubt the community of Bankrupt really still rocked by this. How do you come together? How do you put your feet forward? We're going to see, and obviously, listen again, the cops and investigators have, an, a job, have a job to do here as well, and there's a lot of precedent to suggest um, they can't just do nothing after the investigation. And yesterday, we told you another big corporation would drop yesterday on the show. Scotiabank out from Hockey Canada. Canadian Tire. As I said to a bunch of people yesterday after the show, those Albert ads, right? Albert's the last kid that gets picked on the pond. Next thing you know, he's a star wearing the red and white. That's a Canadian Tire ad. We don't know why Albert chose to have his first name on the back of the jersey. Like, 
Like that, like if the Leafs had had Doug 93 Gord, that just wouldn't have looked right. <laughs> no, it's not. Just, it is weird. I didn't even think about feels, that. <laughs> it, it feels very strange, but it was Albert. And uh, yesterday, Tim Horton said enough and they're out. They've suspended support of the World Junior Championship. They're going to reevaluate sponsorship of Hockey Canada. And you know what this is about. Allegations that eight Canadian Hockey League players sexually assaulted a young woman in 2018 after a Hockey Canada gala. Uh, Ian Mendez was on the show yesterday. I can't wait to get to Ron Tight, but I do want to reset this from yesterday. Uh, Ian Mendez said this on the show yesterday from The Athletic. He's doing a lot of investigation into this story. Stemic. Uh, barriers that were put in place to make sure that these people were not held accountable. That's what I think is really upsetting that this happened, Greg, and nobody paid a price for it. Nobody paid a price for it. And then that, that's really upsetting because we asked, there were adults in the room, yeah. literally and figuratively in this situation, there were adults in the room and nobody did anything and nobody listened to the victim. We do a terrible job in sports journalism of looking at stories through the victim's lenses. We only look at it through the athlete's lenses of, ooh, is he going to get suspended? Is he going to get traded? What's going to happen to his contract? If we did a better job of listening to the victim, we would have a completely different lens on this entire issue. Now, I made a point to Ian, and this is what I love about the show and what I love about having smart people on. He went somewhere where I, my, my, my mind wasn't even at, but I said this about wanting prominent female players to speak out and say, I wear this logo. What are you going to do about this? Want to hear from a Natalie Spooner. Want to hear from a Marie Philip Poulin. What's the logo mean to you? What's the organization mean to you? What does this mean? Because I, it, them stepping up and saying, this is no good. And I want in, even a former player like Haley Wickenizer. I do want that. I, I'm giving it time, but I think it has to come at some point to say, this is no good. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll slightly disagree with you on that. And I'll say, I'm tired of hearing about women speak about this. I want to hear some men like give me Sidney Crosby. Give me give me people who have worn that logo and, and reached the highest peak to say, I'm embarrassed for what happened. That's I want. Greg, I like more. Both, I like both. But you nailed it. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, he's got it right. And uh, and I, I have very little hope or expectation that indeed happens. We'll see if uh, if I'm wrong. I'd, I'd love to be wrong uh, about that. want to bring on Ron Tite. Uh, he is a founder and chief creative officer at Church and State, um, an entrepreneur, a public speaker, and uh, he's making time for our audience after uh, flying back into uh, the GTA yesterday. It is great to have you on. You come so highly recommended from uh, our uh, from Amber Mack, who's on the show on a regular basis. Uh, and I know who you were, but uh, I really appreciate you uh, accepting our invitation to come on. Thanks, Greg. It's great to be here. I flew in last night uh, after visiting Aunt Gladys in the U.S. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and well, at least she bought lunch. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was her turn and uh, <laughs> she did the. She did the right thing and, and stepped up there. Ron, you you evaluate this kind of stuff all the time. Brands and logos and what they mean to people, how people want to be loyal and, and uh, faithful to brands. These are massive. I can't think of anything in the corporate world in Canada anyway that is similar to this. Three massive, massive companies, and they're probably not the last. Tim Horton, Scotiabank, uh, TELUS obviously as well, um, just stepping up and saying, we, we can't be associated with your company anymore after decades of association. Yeah, you know, each of these brands, uh, I would, th you know, they consider themselves as being Canada's brands, that brands that hold a special place, I think, in the heart uh, and, and the hearts and minds of Canadians. I mean, Tim Hortons is no longer owned here. It's now mm -hmm. a Brazilian company owned by 3G. But Tim Hortons still has a special place in the hearts and minds of Canadians. And that's precisely why they chose hockey in the first place. They know that hockey is the legacy sport. 
They know that Canadians have a special place in their hearts and minds for hockey. And so the brand connection from, you know, the entire TELUS, Tim Hortons, to hockey makes a heck of a lot of sense. And that's the the same reason why that, you know, that proximity of, of, uh, of sponsorship is the same reason why they would pull their dollars. It's I, I, I've had too many people tell me. So you tell me if you disagree that say it's so rare to then reestablish a relationship. It's not quite like um, getting divorced and then getting remarried a couple of years later, but that money goes somewhere else. Hockey Canada will say, who can we find to fill this gap here? But Tim Hortons doesn't want to wander back after five months if nothing really gets settled in what we now consider a full-fledged uh, scandal here. Uh, it, it's hard to get those brands, big name, A-list brands back. Yeah, you're right. Especially now because... As you, you know, hockey has been or hockey was for years, really the only choice for Canada's brands to go to. But now that, you know, Canadians have so many more choices, even at the at the uh, sporting level, uh, uh, basketball and soccer and baseball, it just goes on and on. So there are many more choices where brands can spend their dollars. The one thing, though, that uh, that might help is uh, a sudden and immediate change in how they communicate and that if hockey Canada, you know, takes this and as an opportunity to fundamentally change the culture of the game and gets really inclusive with the people who are involved in changing that. And now suddenly brands can have a seat at the table. Brands can see the action that is taking place. And now brands want to be a part of the solution and not just looking to, to, to spend their money elsewhere. So there is an opportunity, but it's probably going to be a little bit, uh, a little bit difficult for them. Yeah. And, and it takes time, doesn't it? Like time, you know, it's not just, well, let's wait till this all moves out of the news cycle. People need to see substantive change because somebody well, will, great, will, right, will be bringing it up somewhere. Yeah, and that was that's the thing that really bothers me about. The, obviously, what really bothers me is the human side. As you said, we very rarely look at that from a sports standpoint. But this was, you know, hockey, I think, has had this perception of kind of being the old dusty legacy brand because it's been around for so long. And they have have they done some things to try and make it contemporary and to show Canadians that they share contemporary values? We'd like, yeah, you know, they have. But at the end of the day, changing a culture of an organization that can take generations because you need to, you know, it starts from a grassroots level of getting different people with different values involved in the sport. That takes years. But when you have a crisis like this, this was an opportunity for Hockey Canada to show through their actions. This is what we fundamentally believe. And this is what we're going to do to reinforce that. So this was a huge opportunity for them to show Canadians that they truly do have and share the values of Canadians. And they completely failed in that, both that's, in how they communicated and the actions. That that's took. so well said by you, because I think about, you know, we're just coming to the end of Pride Month here. And I think about... Um, men coming out as gay and an NFL player did it last year. He did it. He made an Instagram post 20 seconds and it wasn't like this big reveal. It wasn't like this big controversy. And it tells you how he was. He basically said it like, like he told you what he was having for lunch that day and people shrugged their shoulders and said, that's great for him. Like they mean that, Yeah. but they totally. move, we move right along. We just seem to struggle with the hockey thing so much. So we played an ad from Scotiabank yesterday featuring PK Subban in it. And it was all about, you know, busting down stereotypes like people saying, um, well, that person's Chinese. They can't know anything about hockey. Oh, where's the where's the gay player going to going to get dressed like it, they're, they're using some raw language. It grabs you. The commercial does and says we got to kick 
these concepts and these archaic ways and medieval ways of thinking out of our sport. And then there's this and then there's this and, and there's Scotiabank yeah. going, well, we, we can't we can't be seen as as being you know purveyors of all that's good and, and moving the game forward and then not do anything about this now. Exactly. And, and uh, you know, Scotiabank said it in their ad, you know, if you compare, you know, gr- great brands and connect with consumers based on what they think, what they do and what they say. What is the purpose? What do they fundamentally believe? What do they do to reinforce that? And how do they talk about it? So if you look at Scotiabank, you know, Scotiabank saying, you know, that we 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 are committed to ensuring that hockey is safe, inclusive and accessible. Okay, that's what they believe. Mm-hmm. What did they do to reinforce that? They pulled their funding. They will be defined by the actions they took. And then how did they talk about it? Well, they they paid for it. They didn't just issue a press release. They didn't just do an Instagram post. They actually paid for a full page ad in in in, in large national newspapers. They yeah. truly truly committed to it. Hockey Canada, they could have stated what they fundamentally believe, but they're defined by the actions they took. And there's an integrity gap there where they contradicted what they supposedly believe. And then how did they talk about it? Well, they talked about it secretly. They talked about it through lies. Uh, and now they're they're spinning uh, their wheels to try and uh, recover from it. Yeah, they're they're scrambling. It's it's been seven yeah. days since their funding got cut, and we just we haven't heard or heard or seen anything substantive, even to get a story straight that you could poke a holes in. There's just there's no story there. No. You know, the, the the heads are in the in the sand right now. Ron, I got to leave it there. Thank you very much for getting up early. Thanks for uh, making time for our audience. And, and I hope we get to chat again. I really learned a lot this morning from our chat. Thanks so much. Thanks, Greg. Have a great long weekend. You bet. Ron Tite, founder and chief creative officer at Church and State. Look, it, let me give a quick thought on some of what he said there. I will say this is not a defense of Hockey Canada. They are renting these players, in essence, out for the World Juniors. They're not their players. This isn't like the Chicago Blackhawks situation where it's a private organization that has to dig in and say, we got to do better within our organization. But where they fall down, and it's so obvious they fall down, if they think a crime was committed, or if they don't think any crime was committed, why, why, pay, why pay the accuser? If they think a crime was committed and they did pay the accuser, why don't they alert people and alert the police and alert the teams? There is only so much they can do, but they didn't do any of what they could do, is the point. Shiba Siddiqui rejoins me now. We saw we were having a longer conversation, weren't we, about this? We played a clip from Erica Eiffel, who was on the show, about Canada, the Canadian flag. I think two really curious things this weekend, right, is how our celebrations go with fireworks. And we're going to talk to uh, a, a GTA mayor about that about 20 minutes from now. How are we going to behave in Toronto? And then I think, how's everything going to go in Ottawa? We've got one eye almost locally here in Toronto and one eye in our nation's capital. But we were talking, having a longer conversation, and you told a great story about this truck that drives around with a Canadian flag. I got a guy, I assume it's a guy, I don't know why, um, a few blocks away, but I drive past the house to get to my house, and he's got one of those um, F. Trudeau flags that hangs from his garage. It's like a sign. And I'm like, how awkward. The kids must love riding their bikes by that house. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, sleepovers there. And I'm like, but he's allowed an opinion. He gets a vote. It's just, we've never seen something so coarse. I mean, people were, people have been mad at Doug Ford and they've been mad at Stephen Harper and they've been mad like, like, uh, but I've, we've never seen it quite like this. And, and then we start to look inward and go, are we really like, do we feel very Canadian coming into this Canada Day weekend? We've been asking ourselves a lot of these questions. 
Oh, I feel Canadian. I'm so proud to be Canadian. But I want to ask you, I'm going to play you an ad. I want to know if you remember this ad and whether you think this would fly if you turned on your TV today and you saw this on TV today. Okay, let's take a listen okay. to this. I'm, uh, I'm not a lumberjack or a fur trader. And I don't live in an igloo or eat blubber or own a dog sled. And I don't know Jimmy, Sally, or Susie from Canada, although I'm certain they're really, really nice. Uh, I have a prime minister, not a president. I speak English and French, not American, and I pronounce it about, not about. I can proudly sew my country's flag on my backpack. I believe in peacekeeping, not policing, diversity, not assimilation, and that the beaver is a truly proud and noble animal. A tooth is a hat, a Chesterfield is a coach, and it ain't pronounced Zed, not Z, Zed. Canada is the second largest land mass, the first nation of hockey, and the best part of Wow. Thank you. Get that guy a radio show. I don't know whether he'd have anything left by the second day, but okay. I remember seeing He was amazing, though. He's go- so his name, he's Nova Scotian. He's a Canadian actor from Nova Scotia. His name's Jeff Douglas. Uh, this was directed by an American named Kevin Donovan, and it was written by a Canadian named Glenn Hunt. So this commercial won local and national and international success. And Molson used this slogan, remember, I am Canadian. Yeah, for a long time. From, from 1994 to 2005, so 11 years. Oh, I never would have guessed that. For 11 years, they did that. Yeah. So would it fly today? I, the, the only thing that jumped off, it, like I, we were talking about that earlier with, with uh, when things get canceled, sometimes it's just a couple loud people complaining and everybody else is cool with it. And then something disappears and you're like, what? 98% of us liked it. <laughs> so the only struggle I had that you might rewrite is like, I'm Canadian, I speak English and French. And then you might people uh, get other people going, well, 13% of Canadians speak this language and 8% of Canadians yeah, speak but this no, is their no. language. Our official Canadian languages are English and French. So I don't take offense I, to that. Those are our official. That's what that's I know what's you don't, and I don't. And listen, we got somebody here named, like you got the most Canadian first name ever, Gord. You just do. You're not uh, yeah. a Sheba or a Greg. You got a Gordy Howe, Gordon yeah. Lightfoot, Gord yeah. Rennie, Gord uh, <laughs> Gord Downey, Gordon Corman wrote this can't be happening at McDonald Hall. That's right. A lot of Gords. I loved him. I don't know. What do you think of it? I think the, the only thing that stood out for me. That line, because it's it's about the American stereotype of the <laughs> typical Canadian, right? Yeah, Chesterfield and Couch, but it, um, uh, what was it? Uh, peacekeeping, not policing, kind of sticks out now. But do we get mad at that? Like, do we? Uh, no, I did. We just if it was remade now, I'd probably maybe leave that line out. Just I'll, of the, I'll, I'll give you what, Sheba. I'll give you one to follow up on, and I don't know how much you watched of it, but the Mackenzie brothers on SCTV, right? Bob and Doug. That was a big um, cultural thing in the early '80s, right? on SCTV, and it was just kind of Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas playing two lunkhead Canadians, toques, beer, yep. back bacon, flannel shirts, work boots. <laughs> oh, I vaguely, I was right? too young, yeah, but you were, you I are. vaguely remember. You are, yeah, I think you got it, I think you'd have to be uh, north of 45 to, to really remember the McKenzie brothers, because yeah. it, it's not like it stuck around a lot in the culture, did it, Gord? Like no, it, it, it didn't. It had its day in the sun. But would somebody would say now, you know, I'm patently offended by that. I'm I, I I do not recognize those two people as Canadian. Uh, blah 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 blah. You just I don't know. Like we're looking, we're, we're listening to an audio commercial that seemed harmless 17 years ago, and we're like, let's see if I can find something that sticks out that would make it unairable right now. I actually well, think it's okay. 
That's the world we live in. That's the world we live in. You nailed it. Everything's canceled at the drop of a dime. And some things should be. Mm -hmm. Some things should be. Some things should be questioned. There should be some dialogue and conversation. And other things, like you said, they're like, you're like, what happened to that? Where did that go? That was amazing. Yeah. Because, but because a few people didn't like it for whatever reason, whether that's justified or not, Mm. uh, it's no longer there. A reminder as well. Gord Rennie is headed to, uh, Ohio. I love making people happy. Gord, do you you want to know what you're going to pay for gas in Ohio? Yes, I do. This conversion thing I found um, is amazing. And uh, it converts your cost of gas to... So it's almost four liters in a gallon, right? No, no, that's not a true or false. You're running the quiz today, not me. Just not. And uh, and so this converts it over. You'll pay... It's $4.83 American per gallon in Ohio right now. That equiv- that is equivalent to a dollar sixty two Canadian per liter. You should be high fiving yourself, yeah, and uh, high five your shoulder, high five other body parts. Like it's amazing. Yeah, because a buck sixty two. My buddy paid for the hotel room, and I said, oh, "I'll get the gas," because I thought it would kind of be equal. I don't know if you're going to come out ahead of that now. Maybe, yeah. maybe he was using points. You got to yeah. check that. Okay. See if it's some kind of scam. All right, what do you got for us for the uh, quiz for Sheba, Dave, and myself? Well, since it's, I think it's one fifty five. For tomorrow, Canada's birthday year, I believe it is. You got um, it right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to do all things Canada. Little, oh, nice. A little Canadiana Woo. here and there. Maybe crisscross the country and see what you know about the We already covered Canada's obesity rates. Yeah. So That's let's not, not do here. that. Yeah, That's let's keep it. And I was going to do the one about the loony, but I forgot to take it off the list earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to scramble. That's okay. And so we start with number one. We all know that Canada is officially bilingual, right? English and French. Oui, oui. But which is the only province to be officially bilingual? There's only one. Greg, what? which province do you think is has official French and English as their language? I think you're trying to trick me here again. New Brunswick. Yeah. Okay. Sheba? Oh, I was going... That's what I was going to say. Um, I'm going to say... You Officially can, French and English? Yeah, you can say the same one. Up on the New Brunswick train. No, I feel, I don't know. I'm going to guess. I don't think it's, it's not Quebec. So officially French and English, both? Yeah. Ontario? And Dave. That sounded confident. <laughs> yeah, so confident. <laughs> Where um, I live? I, I'm like 98% certain it is New Brunswick. So I'm going to I go feel, back. I was going to say, I feel like Greg's right. Do you want to switch? Who? No, no, I'll she, let them. I'll, I'll, I'll give them this win. Okay, I'll give yeah. them this win. Well, you did because it is New Brunswick. Yes, I gave you every opportunity to change yep. your answer. <laughs> yeah, you were Regis Philbin. You were phoning friends. Are you sure? Okay, but here's the thing. Are you absolutely I up, sure? I grew, I'm just gonna say I grew up in Ottawa, and in Ottawa, every single thing is bilingual. The, the signs, the restaurant names, the stores, the you know, as you're on the highway, everything is French and English. So in Ontario, in Ottawa specifically, it is officially, unofficially, maybe a French and English town. Oh yeah, for sure. I learned South was Sud, S U D, very early on. Uh-huh. Like when you're like seven, you know South is Sud before you start taking French in elementary school. Yeah, I remember uh, going to Sudbury to Science Nord. It rhymes with your name That's right Number two On average How many eggs Does each Canadian person Eat per year Is it 140 100 Or 190 Dave Uh, We have eggs for dinner All the time We eat the breakfast for dinner Because we're weird that way That's not weird Kids love that You're weird for thinking It's weird Um, I'm going to say 190 All right Greg. High end. I'm shocked it's that low, 190. And Sheba. Me too. I thought it would be more, 190. It, 
It is 190. Nice. Yeah. So like that's I I I probably eat on average like two a day because sometimes oh, really? sometimes on weekends. But I don't have any today. I'll have like five tomorrow morning. Oh, I see. Well, What's five? too many? What's too many five? scrambled eggs? Yeah, I I don't know actually. I've heard it's more than two for your cholesterol levels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as long as you hold that level at two, you're good. I've been holding it pretty decently, I think. <laughs> we'll see. All right, number three is a true or falser. Old Quebec is the only walled city north of Mexico. Is that true or false, Shiva? Okay, Old Quebec is the only walled city mm-hmm. north of Mexico? Yeah. Oh, wow. So there's no walled city in the United States? Well, we've kind of figured um, that out. <laughs> That's a, it's kind of the question. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say something, but I realized I'm on the radio. Um, <laughs> I haven't learned that trick yet. So I'm going to say true. <laughs> All right, Dave. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's true. And Greg. No, false. It is true. First the French, then later the English built up Quebec City's fortifications between the 17th, 18th, 17th and 19th centuries. It's also the first city in North America to be placed on UNESCO's World Heritage Site hey. list. Okay, okay. Uh, right? Oh, no. I was, I, what about the Alamo? That's what stuck me there was that Battle of the Alamo. But it's not the whole city. It's just the... Uh, I know. That's just the fort, right? Yeah, it's just the yeah. fort, yeah. I was thinking Quebec El Paso, city. and I was thinking the Alamo. Yeah. And the scene in Pee-wee's Big Adventure when he looks for the basement in the Alamo, and they, <laughs> and they laugh and they tell him, there's the no Al- basement. The Alamo. Because he thought that's where his bike was that Francis stole. <laughs> that's right. It's complicated. And the, plot. the final question in your Canadian passport quiz, Canada is home to what percentage of the world's fresh water? Is it 20%, Ooh. 62.5%, or 45%? Greg? Can't be that high. 20, just 20. All right, Shiva? 62.5. And Dave? You don't want to all go down the middle with all the Great Lakes. I'm going to say 45%. It is 20%. Ah, oh, I kind of thought water. my hunch said 20%, oh. but... I did, you know, I thought I threw somebody off with a 62.5. Well, you and threw you, off Sheba. Revoke that passport. Yeah. Speaking of, but yeah, I'm glad you didn't do a Canadian passport quiz. When will I get mine? I don't know is the answer. Yeah. That's <laughs> the only exactly. answer. Exactly. But longer, it'll take A, longer than you think, B, way longer than you think, C, don't even try. Those are your three choices. So Canada Day celebrations at a lot of places. Obviously, a lot of eyes will be on, on Ashbridge's Bay and Woodbine Beach. We've talked to a lot. We talked to Brad Bradford, the city councilor, about that. We talked to Nader Erskine Smith, uh, the liberal MP in that area. Um, and fingers crossed. I know there's going to be an increased police presence. Mayor John Tory said so. But that got us thinking about um, whether or not fireworks are meant to be a thing of the past, whether we see more complaints about it. And I wanted to bring on uh, the mayor of my town, uh, Sean Collier, in Ajax, so there, where there's a celebration at Ajax Downs. Uh, the racetrack uh, tomorrow. Mayor Collier, it's great to have you back on uh, Toronto today. We haven't chatted in a while. I hope uh, I hope spring's gone well for you and you're looking forward to a great summer in our community. Absolutely. Good morning. Happy to be here. I noticed also last night you presided, I, I got to say, for what you do, this probably never gets old. You presided uh, at a, a citizenship ceremony. And when we think about Canada Day and we all have our own stories, and like I said, I lived in the States for 10 years coming back and just just it was time and I was so ready and I'm so proudly Canadian. That must never get old to be congratulating people. And, and we got our issues. We got our things we want to be better at, get better at in, in our country. But when you see how proud people are to become Canadian, that probably never gets old. No, it was really a, a heartwarming experience last night. We actually had so many people, new Canadians, that we had to split it in the two. So the second one is tonight. Uh, just great to see the excitement in her eyes. They've chosen Ajax to live because we are such a great place with uh, 58% diversity. 
We are a real cultural mosaic, which means we embrace that diversity, all those things that make us unique. And we celebrate all those cultures and traditions. And it just really makes for a very, very uh, nice community atmosphere. I know um, fireworks is something that's really interesting. And uh, and and I think the, the talk has changed. But I also think sometimes, and I'm sure... Uh, being mayor of a town, being mayor of a major city like Mayor Tory is, um, you're more inclined to hear complaints rather than compliments. It's a little bit like we, we leave a nice restaurant and we think, I'm going to call that restaurant tomorrow. Let them, no, because we're busy and th- they provided the service we hope they would. But I'm sure with fireworks and I'm sure with noise complaints on these kind of holiday May 2, 4 July 1st weekends, do you hear more from people than than you used to? Are people more vocal about, about, uh, about either noise or kids or 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 what do you hear well it, it's kind of interesting i mean i very rarely hear the good side of things as politician <laughs> that's just the life we always get the complaints my garbage not picked up this and that loud car mufflers everything yeah. things that have nothing to do with the town i still hear about it and it's still my fault and that's fine that's the job uh with fireworks actually last year we started the process of revisiting our fireworks bylaw because we recognized that it was not inclusive it only recognized predominantly white christian holidays that allowed fireworks like labor day not labor day like victoria day and, and canada day so we've expanded it a bit to allow some more cultural holidays like diwali eid um, chinese new year to be more inclusive and reflective of our community and i did get a bit of feedback from that there is still you know, a bit of learning to be done as far as um, people understanding why we make some of these decisions. But overall, I mean, for the for the good of the community, it's it's what we we need to do to move forward. And many municipalities have followed suit. As far as fireworks, I think especially Canada Day, people expect it. Mm-hmm. Victoria Day, people expect it. Um, I will always get some complaints about you know my dog is scared, my kids are trying to sleep. Unfortunately. I always have to keep in mind, I represent 132,000 people. And if I hear from two people, that's not, you know, representative of the majority. I got to assume the majority are okay and enjoying it. Yeah, I think that's a big factor. I'm glad you brought that up as well, because I know um, when when uh, Ramadan ends during Eid celebrations, uh, yeah. fireworks are, are, are prominently utilized and, and Muslims around the world observe that religious holiday by, and that's one of the traditions to end that particular holiday. So if I hear it on a night that isn't Victoria day or July 1st, I just shrug my shoulders and I assume that's the case. Now I, I think hearing it at 10 30, where I usually hear it's different than if I heard it at 4 AM, but for the most part, people have, I think people are accountable and responsible for the where and when. Well, I can honestly say that during one of those expanded ceremonies, like Eid, for instance, I didn't hear anything after 10 o'clock, but quite often <laughs> on Victoria Day and Canada Day, I'll hear those midnight, two in the morning ones. So, I mean, I, it, it's, a, it's a cultural thing for sure. But uh, yeah, it, it, you're always going to get those one or two that aren't considerate, but that's, that's life. I mean, really, mm-hmm. we're talking about a half an hour once or twice a year, I think I think that's not too much to ask for people just to be just to be tolerant and understanding. Mayor Sean Call uh, Collier is joining us. Uh, Collier is joining us from uh, Ajax, of course, on Toronto today. When what what is sort of I don't know that there's a directive for uh, law enforcement, but are, are police going to? They, they, you can't answer every call about a noise violation. Um, not and certainly not on a holiday weekend. Is it very much a be patient, wait and see if there's a real problem, if they get multiple calls to the same place. How does that work? Yeah, police aren't going to be responding to noise violations. That it just they have too much stuff going on. 
Um, a noise violation is is probably an, a five out of a one being top priority call. Uh, they'll be attending accidents. They'll be attending, mm-hmm. you know, priority calls. And if there maybe if there's nothing going on, they might come out to one of these. But really, it's like it's like anything. If if they have fireworks and the police show up twenty minutes later, it's over. You're not going to catch the people, and they know this. So uh, I can't see any type of force. And we have a bylaw just to just to regulate. Um, like most bylaws, they are they are a general rule, but there's enforcement. You've hit the nail on the head. Is the the difficult piece. So I, I wouldn't be expecting our DRPS or any police forces to be responding to these. It's just something that's going to happen a few times a year and uh, just part of general society. The w- the way municipal elections have worked, Mayor Collier, that uh, you know, with, with one coming up obviously this fall, um, mayors, um, men and women who have been mayors have have really, you know, really run the gamut these last three years. I, I speak to what, what it means this year to sort of, obviously, you know, COVID-19 still circulates. Obviously, it's it's something that we all have to be accountable and, and be responsible for those around us. Of course we do. But what a change. It, it must be a relief. It must be gratifying to be able to hold something, like I said, at, at Ajax Downs. In 2020, that was, that was just a no-go. We were three or four months into this. Last summer was a little more trepidatious. People were out and about a little bit more after we had the outdoors shut down for a good chunk of the spring. So people wanted to be out in July and August. Speak to that, what that means as uh, as somebody that can at least authorize you. You don't have to say no to near as many things as you did 12 months ago. It must be gratifying. It's it really is, Greg. And and that citizenship ceremony that you alluded to earlier is is a fine example. People mm-hmm. are just so starved to get out and and see other people and do things and look at our airports right now. Everybody wants to travel. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I expect this Canada Day tomorrow uh, to be very, very well attended at Ajax Downs. It's from what? Um, sorry, is it one or is it two? Two o'clock, two I got 10. two to yeah. 10. Yeah. Two till 10. We'll be doing, I'll be there bringing announcements at five and the fireworks, of course, to wrap it up at 10. There's going to be a lot of activities, cultural performances, children's games, act interactive experiences, live entertainment, uh, exhibitions, all food vendors, beer garden, all sorts of things wrapping up with the firework at 10 o'clock. I expect there to be thousands of people there. It's going to be, it's a large venue. You're outside. We're going to be able to mm-hmm. still maintain distance. If people want to wear masks, they can wear masks. However, we've lifted those. I can tell you all of our town staff are fully vaccinated. So mm-hmm. um, you will be served by people who, who it, it's just, I think we've taken the precautions we need to take. However, now as we're opening up, uh, this is becoming the norm, these types of events. And I think people are just really, really, really looking forward to it, especially if the rain holds off tomorrow. hundred percent. I think we're relieved. I think we're gratified. Hey, thanks for uh, visiting with us. Good luck with it tomorrow. And thanks for that clarification as well. I, I think uh, I, it, we're starting to hear more about it and uh, about fireworks. And we're obviously keeping our eyes. We're hoping it's successful in Ashbridge's Bay. Nobody wants a repeat. Nobody does in the entire Toronto area because it, it kind of paints us all when we have, uh, we have a lot of chaos and disorder. Thanks very much for the time and have a great holiday weekend. Thank you very much. You as well, Greg. There's Sean Take Collier, uh, mayor of Ajax. Yeah, like you got, you. it's okay to be grateful for things. It's okay to be relieved and it's okay to be grateful for things. You say, well, I shouldn't have to be grateful for stuff that shouldn't have. You just, you you got to take take life as it comes. And we're doing that this weekend. And, uh, and I think we're watching for that in Ottawa. I saw the news story in the afternoon yesterday. This mom that had three kids, they're sleeping on the floor of Pearson Airport. 
uh, six month old baby, an eight year old, a fifteen year old. Why are they all? Well, the the mom can't sleep. You can't you can't be there with an eight year old and uh, and take a two hour nap. Again, we can do lots of things if we're traveling solo and whatnot. This weekend to travel cost her, she says, more than a thousand dollars in unexpected expenses. These stories aren't rare. This is the whole point of this. And then last night, uh, the email from Air Canada that dozens of daily flights are going to get cut this summer. Um, there are a ton of challenges with our airports right now. I'm real uh, eager to have on our next guest. He's the former COO, the chief operating officer for Air Canada. He is Duncan D. Duncan, thank you very much. I know this is an issue you're incredibly passionate about. Thank you very much for making the time for our audience today. Oh, thanks for having me, Greg. Is this just a conglomeration of a lot of different factors? Is this a lot of bad things happening, uh, connecting all at once, government in action, mandates, passports not being updated? Um, Omar Al-Gabra said it's about people forgetting how to travel. How many things are combining here to make traveling through Pearson and just traveling with Air Canada really, really difficult right now? Well, it's a combination of all of the things you mentioned, Greg, but it's also the simple fact that it's been going on for 89 days as of today. So all of this stuff has been going on for 89 days. The passport debacle has been going on for longer than that. But at the airports, we, we saw lineups when we never should have seen lineups in early April. The government was warned 89 days ago to figure this out. They had three months to act, and here we are. Um, in the middle of the first week of the summer peak, and you've got uh, moms and kids sleeping on the floor at Pearson, and frankly, they weren't alone at Pearson no. doing that. So it's really difficult that uh, this is the story that we're seeing, but it was entirely predictable. Again, you've got insight into this industry. It's like if someone asked me, I suppose, I think, about broadcasting or you asked a lawyer about legal precedent. So you tend to be more passionate about subjects that you're really familiar with. When you see stories like the mom, what's it do? What, how do you react emotionally? I wanted to scream. Um, I've got um, a wife and two kids. Um, and my kids are grown up now, but if they were traveling alone at an airport um, I, and they were calling me saying that they couldn't find a hotel room, that they were stuck, no one was helping them. I would have gone completely insane um, just by that one call. And I could imagine the family that cares about uh, this mom and her kids feeling that exact same way. Um, and having been a former um, airline executive, like you say, I used to get those calls mm -hmm. <laughs> at my at my desk. Uh, and so you know, it's an it's a question of the system just completely breaking down, um, and you've got a situation now where you've literally got hundreds of thousands of travelers every single day getting inconvenienced, perhaps not sleeping on the floor of an airport, but losing their bag, missing their connection, spending days to get to where they want to go. You know, and all of this just could have been fixed. What's the biggest thing that would have fixed it? Well, I think that there, there were uh, the, the number one thing uh, that we're still seeing issues with right now are the uh, COVID um, inspections that are taking place at the airports, which the airports themselves and the Customs and Immigration Officers Union has said causes the inspection time for every single international traveler coming to Canada to quadruple. Imagine if you haven't increased the number of your officers 400% but you're increasing their workload by 400%, you're, you're accepting that there are going to be huge lineups. That single 
bottleneck is causing thousands and thousands of heartache every single day for the last 89 days and probably for another 89 days unless the government figures this out. Yeah, and, and as I said, these stories, Duncan, you can imagine, even for our show, it, it the the stories are coming too fast to even react to. We talked on our on our call early in the morning yesterday, uh, the news anchor Dave Bradley and myself about the arrive can app and Omar Al Gaber saying, well, this might stick or, or Marco Mendicino rather saying this might stick around. We've got some uses for this, but we're making people from every single country that comes into Canada. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter their vaccination status. Doesn't matter if they've had COVID. We're making all of them put this app on their phone. If it when it becomes inconvenient, they might choose to come somewhere else uh, and and spend their tourist dollars somewhere else as well. No, you're so right. And you know the thing that is so comical about this app, which the government seems to be married to, is it's an international app that is available in what English, French, and Spanish. And so they've basically ignored all of Asia. They've ignored um, entire swaths of Europe. And so you know, seemingly. They're surprised when they have an app that, that's international, that's available in three languages, that travelers are having trouble with it, and that their officers at the airport are now the IT help desk for all of these thousands of travelers coming who may not speak English, Spanish, or French fluently. And so it's just, it, you know, this is just a, a self-induced, you know, hole in the head that oh. Canadians don't really deserve. You know, Canadians have been hoping for a great summer for two years now. Their last summer vacation was likely in 2019, so three years ago. And they were hoping for something positive this year. Instead, they've got messes at the passport office, as you mentioned, but also at the airport. So you get your passport and you think you're golden. Mm. You get to the airport and it's a complete disaster. Duncan D is kind enough to join us, former Chief Operating Officer for Air Canada on Toronto today with Greg Brady. We're talking about the email uh, sent last night from Air Canada to subscribers, frequent flyers, etc. that is going to shave down a lot of flights and a lot of service all summer long. This isn't a two or three week thing. I'll go you one better, and this might help people... uh, you know, win a win a bet or win a beer at their uh, backyard barbecue this weekend. Sixteen percent of the world's primary language is Mandarin Chinese. Sixteen percent. Now, that's almost one in five human beings on the planet. You think they're going to have an easy time with the Arrive Can app? They're not. You nailed it. it. It's it's not it's not accessible to the vast majority of people that might be coming into our country where we want to welcome everybody and treat everybody the same. No, and so the the only thing that surprises me is you've got these ministers like Mendicino and Algabra who are so wedded to this app that they don't even see this. I mean, these are people who represent ridings with multitudes of languages. And so basically what they're saying is it doesn't matter. Your relatives coming from wherever they're coming from are just going to have to be stuck at the airport for hours on end because Mm -hmm. we've decided that the app is more important than your family. I know you got to run in a little bit. I made the distinction earlier, Duncan, between loyalty and patience. We want to be loyal. We A lot of us have brand loyalty. We go to the same restaurants, buy the same shoes, all that stuff. But when your patience runs out, with Air Canada here, a company you used to be high up in, how much impatience is there with people? We can't all of a sudden make Pearson as convenient as maybe Buffalo Airport is for people that live in St. Catharines. We can't do that. But what kind of brand damage does this do to an airline that has to that has to inconvenience thousands tens of thousands of canadians and customers well look the fact that air canada decided to reduce its schedule in its most profitable season which is the summer peak 
tells you all you need to know about the amount of damage this has done to the Air Canada brand. I was talking to some Air Canada employees recently who got in touch with me and they just were, one of them was actually in tears. She had been working five days straight, every day uh, being asked to do overtime, completely exhausted and the summer peak hadn't even started. And so you've got a situation where not only are your customers upset, your employees are exhausted and you know all you get from the federal government is yeah we're going to keep their ride can app forever and yes you know people are going to be forced to check in 3 hours before their flight because we can't figure out our own security lines so it's just a, a compendium of disaster of federal services whether it's the passport office or at the airport that really need to get fixed and this is now mm. so serious that travelers are going to be getting emails over the next few weeks from their airline saying, I'm sorry, your flight is canceled and your summer vacation is not happening. Hey, Duncan, I know you got to, I need 30 seconds on this. Is there any form of, um, of adjustment or compensation? Are people going to go, well, you cost me this because I booked a, an irreversible hotel or I have tickets to a ball game or a Broadway show. Is there anything Air Canada is going to, do you think will work with people on with these canceled flights? Look, I think um, Air Canada and any airline, frankly, will do their best to try to reaccommodate travelers to the extent that they can. Uh, the one thing is, is that the passenger rights uh, uh, legislation does not allow for compensation for things like uh, government screwing up. So you've got a situation here where you don't really know where to send your invoice to because, yes, the government, um, uh, sorry, the airline has canceled these flights. But the reason why they've canceled these flights is because the government has completely dropped the ball. So, you know, I think travelers should try to work with Air Canada and uh, their, their, mm. or their airline to try to get to where they need to go, because the priority is really trying to still enjoy the holiday that you've long planned. But, you know, at the end of the day, we do have passenger rights legislation in Canada that to some degree protects travelers. Duncan, thanks so much for making the time for us on this issue. I know it was important to all our listeners. I know you've got a passion for this. Hopefully we can talk again in July. Uh, it, it's, it's, I can tell how enraged you are, and, and you're probably going to be hearing uh, from a lot of old friends and colleagues that are feeling exactly the same. I hope you have a great holiday weekend, and thanks for making the time. Happy Canada Day. You bet. There's uh, Duncan D. I think he said that non-sarcastic. No, I know he meant that we should have a happy Canada Day, but it's not a happy Canada Day to get those kind of messages uh, in your uh, in your email. No way, no how. I want you hear. I want you to hear this. We played this clip earlier. Marianne Demain went to uh, Pearson. She's there today as well and talked to some people. This is Amber. This is somebody who planned a trip. Listen to what she had to spend her money on after her bags were lost. It's pretty discouraging and it's pretty sad. The money that we saved for our vacation, basically most of it went to buy new clothes so we can, you know, have a good trip. Yeah, that's that cannot be happening. And again, I don't know what the recourse is for compensation. Do you want to hire a lawyer? You want to spend money on a lawyer? Lawyers are great. Don't get me wrong. Do you want to spend money on a lawyer to try and get clothes back that you never should have had to buy in the first place because Air Canada lost your bag? Like you're forcing people, in essence, to get on planes and have a have a change of clothes with them just in case the main bag is lost under the under the plane. And not a delay. We've all had that. Bags are late. Can't find your bag. Now we found it the very next morning. That's not what's happening here. These bags are going gone for three or four days for the length of the vacation, potentially. It's nuts. All right. Um, my mother-in-law is a brilliant, brilliant woman, uh, Linda Moore. She listens to the show uh, sometimes too much. Linda, just an hour a day. We'll try and find you the best hour a day. It's three and a half hours. 
They can't all be number one draft picks, as uh, as quoted in many movies. But um, she was diagnosed with Parkinson's in 2005, a year after we got married. And you don't know what that experience and that journey is going to be like. Well, um, for her, it, it's been unbelievably inspiring. She plays pickleball like mad. She plays baseball. Um, she plays everything. And she's been incredibly active. That's I don't want I don't even know that you can quantify that as half the battle, but it's a pretty incredible thing. So we want to tell you about across Canada Parkinson's jersey by bicycle happening right now. It's called the Spinning Wheels Tour. And part of that tour is an experienced long distance uh, cyclist who was diagnosed um, a few years ago with young onset Parkinson's disease. Again, my mother in law was oh, 47, 48 when this happened to her. Steve Eisman joins me uh, right now on uh, Toronto Today. Steve, it is great to have you on the show. Happy Canada Day weekend. And where are we talking to you today from? I'm in uh, Princeton, uh, British Columbia. Well, you're up awfully Uh, early for us. So uh, I set that alarm alarm at 345, but you're like those military ads. You've probably done more by 10 a.m. than most of us will do the whole day, given what you're uh, what you're experiencing right now. So you're just getting this started from Victoria, B.C. You're a little bit of the ways into this journey right now. Exactly. I I think this is a day for uh, cycling for us. Unbelievable. How have the first three days been? How's your weather been? How's your fatigue level? How's your uh, your hydration level? How has it gone? Uh, uh, it's been uh, quite a journey so far. We've had a, had a bunch of uh, long days. Uh, uh, one day was uh, 165 uh, kilometers. Uh, and boy, they know mountains out here. We've been up and down them uh, all, the past few days. Uh, cr- uh, crushingly uh, hot to start. And now mm. we find ourselves... Uh, a little rainy and uh, cold, but we're we're making our way. You can find out a lot more about this tour. Uh, Steve and Jim are on it at spinningwheelstour.ca. Love great stories like this. And uh, and British Columbia, I mean, most of us, when we are able to get to British Columbia from Ontario, um, we marvel at it. We find it incredible. Um, but as, as you know, you, you start in BC, you're going to see every inch of Canada you could possibly see. It's over, what, 8,000 kilometers is your journey on this, uh, on this ride. Exactly. And it, we're, we're not even taking the, the, the shortest route. We're, we're specifically uh, uh, taking a route to uh, cross through as many communities as we can. We're, we're trying to reach out to people with Parkinson's uh and and both um you sort of invite them invite them into the community uh about 80 to 90 percent of them are are going without support right now so we're trying to open that up for them uh and show them uh, the benefits of exercise it's you know r- right now with parkinson's there's no cure there's no known cause uh but the one thing other than medication that that really seems to help is exercise so we're we're going to show by example Steve Eisman is our guest on Toronto Today, uh, and spinningwheelstour.ca is the website. I mentioned my mother-in-law, who's been my mother-in-law now for uh, 18 summers, and uh, her her journey's been really inspiring. But Steve, as you well know, being diagnosed yourself, you you know life is going to just give you a big kick in the pants sometimes. It's going to happen about this or that or the other thing. And so what are you going to do? And the fact that she kept at it, baseball, exercise, pickleball, when she discovered pickleball, that was that was unbelievable game changer six, seven years ago. This this kind of exercise and uh, and making life come to you instead of letting you letting it overwhelm you, you got to take it on. Um, it's it, it makes a massive difference and it slows the progress. I mean, every every documentation of Parkinson's disease says exercise matters a ton. 
uh, Greg, you nailed it. And your mother-in-law is definitely on the, the right track. Um, there's, there's all sorts of studies going on. You know, cycling is, is a great one for, uh, for a lot of people. Uh, but uh, re really what's most important is, is uh, activity. And you're right about the fact uh, that it does seem to be a slowing progression. Uh, you know, some, some people say it can even uh, halt it uh, for, a, for a period of time. You can go to spinningwheelstour.ca, find out more. You must have people coming up, um, conversations and seeing people that are your age um, talking about it. I'm sure it's reassuring. I'm sure it bonds you. How old were you when you started suffering either symptoms or and or were diagnosed, Steve? Well, same as your mother-in-law. Mm -hmm. I, I diagnosed it at, at uh, 48. Uh, that was nine years ago. Uh, and the symptoms started uh, really uh, mild, you know, just a little bit of a tremor in my, my finger when I was typing. Uh, and uh, it just grew. Uh, at, at one point, uh, it uh, uh, took away some of my favorite passions, uh, cycling and, mm -hmm. and skiing. Uh, and uh, with, uh, with medication and, uh, and a little bit of a, a focal uh, exercise, I managed to get both of them back. And uh, boy, that was sweet. Uh, and, uh, you know, now I'm, you know, I really focus on them every day. I'm glad you brought that up because I think we've noticed that as well in, in our own life is it's not it's not a precipitous decline. It doesn't have to be anyway. Every case is every scenario is unique. Every person's unique. But there are going to be ups and downs, good months, bad months, good weeks, bad weeks. And it's not it's not just one slide down a hill with with no return to the top. You do a lot of the right things. You have the attitude to do those things. Those mix in, in are intertwined. You can make a massive difference in your own mental health as well as as well as uh, shutting down some of those problematic symptoms. Absolutely, and and uh, Greg, about uh, you know, by our estimate, eighty to ninety percent of people right now are going without support, uh, and mm -hmm. uh, it's frankly it's heartbreaking when we wind up in a conversation with with somebody who, you know, is so clearly af afflicted, uh, and yet you know they'll they'll often say you're the first person I've spoken to who has Parkinson's, uh, and it's you know it's it's heartbreaking that that they've been uh, going so long uh, uh, without aid uh, and you know frankly it's half the reason why why we're why we're doing this uh, to uh, convince them to come in and uh, join the community so tell us about your day today what's a typical day on the road in an 8,000 kilometer journey that's going to go from Victoria to St. John's and, and you're still in um, in British Columbia right now what does today uh, lay out as well, uh, life starts in an RV. Right now, there's there's five of us in an RV, and that's a that's a story on its own. Yeah, how's everybody getting along? You guys are. <laughs> this is like a band that's going to break up from too much touring. I hope everybody's getting along the same way in uh, Newfoundland as you are in BC. It's not that easy. Well, so far we're all <laughs> vibrating in the same direction. Uh, uh, every uh, uh, things are going well. Our our days are. Uh, we we tend to get on the road pretty early. Mm -hmm. um you know to try to uh, avoid as much traffic as we can um uh, today i think we're we're we have uh, another hilly day uh, in in uh, in plan uh, uh, and we're we're going to be going on a, on a rail bed uh, mm -hmm. line today a, a particularly beautiful area called the uh, kettle valley mm -hmm. uh and uh i uh, i think today is about 120 kilometers 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's it's remarkable what you're doing. I've done the ride to conquer cancer four times. That's a one ten k each day, but that's two days, and you're doing six a week for a few weeks in a row. Will you let us converse with you again? Check in with you again when you get to Ontario. Uh, absolutely. Uh, in uh, hmm. in in fact, uh, 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 we we'd like to to give you uh, updates along the along the way. Uh, uh, make sure that we're as many people as, as we can uh, connect with are, are able to hear us. Let's do that. And and, and we're going to make uh, we're, we're going to push the word out for donations as well. And uh, I'm going to make one before uh, before I leave this building today at Chorus Key. Thank you so much. You can go to spinningwheels.ca. Find out more about Steve Eisman's journey there. Steve, what a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Greg. You bet. Thanks again for listening to Toronto Today. Have a great Canada Day weekend. We're back with a live show 530 to 9 a.m. on Monday July the 4th, America gets their holiday. So I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that as well as the weekend that was in Toronto, in Ottawa, and wherever you happen to be. Thanks again.